Welcome back to an all-new installment of the Super Metal Brothers podcast, where we see the error of evolution. I am Super Metal Brother Matt. And I'm Super Metal Brother Dan. We are getting on to it, Danny. We are, I think we were revisiting a question that we had last year, but I thought we had a new one. I thought my creativity wasn't um, burnt out, but we might not have. Uh, I think last year I asked this question, and this year you asked the question. That's right. See, there's a difference, man. See, every week, guys, we like to ask the question to our fans, and this week's pod question might be familiar. It's just uh, bands that are good gateways to get people into heavy metal. I could have sworn it's what got us into heavy metal, but maybe I've asked that question as well. Uh, however, we've also got other things on the show. We're Code Orange, reviewing an album called Forever, a very heavy band. Metalcore, Drips and Drabs, it started off as a punk band, but do we like the latest album? Who's to know? But I guess more importantly, Dan, let's start straight off the bat with the news. Dan, we haven't talked about this guy for a fair why, Steve Vai. A fair why, Steve Vai. Yeah, Steve Vai's our guy. Now, who is Steve Vai for anyone listening, Danny? <laughs> you like you like rhyming, Dan? <laughs> <laughs> you sound like a Dr. Zeus book. Oh, I know. It's like, Steve Vai. Reason Ham, I am. <laughs> Steve Vai wore a tie. I tie have Steve Vai, I am. <laughs> but who is Steve Vai, Danny? Tell the people out there in the middle land who Steve Vai is. Steve Vai is a freakishly long-fingered guitar player who became quite popular in the late 80s, early 90s. Um, a student of the one Joe Satriani. Uh, but I don't know what you classify his stylings as. What you, man, you would know. Instrumental oh, hard rock. Instrumental <laughs> metal. <laughs> no, he's just a guy who's in shred. And uh, much like the guys in the 80s, they were going through that whole playing lots of notes over stuff that can have riffs in it or can't. doesn't really matter. It's just all solo stuff, right? Uh, put a distortion pedal on it and you're ready to go. Now, he's been considered the freak of nature, one of the innovators of the shredding style. But he went out and talked about his favorite shredders. Now, this guy is notoriously known for someone who never really wanted to collab with a guitarist. So seeing his impressions of other guitarists was kind of a fresh take on it. And uh, oh, much much welcome. So uh, let's talk about some of those guitarists that he liked, Danny. Yeah, apparently the first guitarist, where the magic started, which is relevant to our podcast question. See what I did there? Oh, so yeah. many gateways. That's, that's brilliant. Yeah, it's, it's some nine-year-old kid. Apparently, he was like six years old, and he saw this nine-year-old kid just like shred on the guitar, oh. freaked him out, thought, you know what, I've got to get in on that action, man. But apart from that, we're thinking, you know, obviously, Satyani, the mentor, the guy who kind of started, uh, Malmsteen, well, that's fair enough. I think anyone who has even seen a guitar and seen how hard it can be and played a guitar knows how hard it is, and he obviously playing it at speeds that would make uh, I mean, Michael Schumacher crap his pants, or the uh, pre-snowboarding oh, Michael no, Schumacher. that's pretty clever. Oh, shit. Sorry. <laughs> but uh, funny enough, his favorite guitarist of all time wasn't any of those, or even Tosin Abasi, who really is pioneering the uh, shred guitar sound right now. It's Alan Holdsworth. Yeah, old jazz man. The guy who couldn't even make enough money to pay his rent considered by pretty much everyone in the guitar community who can obviously shred or play guitar as the guy they go to. An innovator of his time way before he was doing all those alien technology kind of things, those sci-fi sounds, but also using chords that unconventional is one thing and just un no one could possibly imagine it. And that's Steve Vai's go-to guy. I, I just rhymed again, Danny. That's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, wait, wasn't he like a full jazz guitarist or Holdsworth? Or was he always yeah. rock? Uh, he was kind of like... Jazz fusion, so it was kind of like you know he took all those like ideas from jazz, whereas soloing, and that was it really. Like literally, you get like jazzes, you get a head which is like four to sixteen bars, and all you do is solo over it for fifteen twenty minutes, and people pay to see it. It's amazing. Four or sixteen bars. <laughs> oh, you know it could be thirty two bars. Whatever. It's that's, that's jazz for you, you know. So uh, whereas metal, you know, you normally solo in you know twenty seconds to Dream Theater's time, but. Uh, we don't have to talk about John Petrucci unless we really have to, I guess. Nah, well, he didn't make the list of Steve Vice. Obviously, it's not that important. <laughs> not oh, good enough for Steve Vice. Not good enough for this guy. Let's go on to Dillinger Escape Plan. Dillinger Escape Plan announced their final farewell show with frontman Greg Puat Pistachio Nut. Oh, wow. He's, <laughs> <laughs> hey, he's a hard show to crack, that guy, mate. Uh, why did they choose their final location? Um, you know, who cares? Because at the end of the day, 
He he said like the center of America. Where was it? I think Pennsylvania or something. No, no, um, New York. New York, mate. that's New right. York. And he said it's central to everyone to get there. But what about guys in Australia? He didn't really find it accommodate people touring from another country, did he? It's terrible. How about people in the space station like orbiting the Earth? You, you can see that those guys might want to see you. Martians might want to come down and see your gig, man. You know what I mean? Might you like hit the moon or something? Like kind of meet us halfway. I'm ge- geologically triggered. Um, but uh, you know. I think if anyone is in America right now, or even in Mexico, before they put that wall up, you might want to you know, go across the border and check out the most energetic and, I guess, frenetic. It was a word for these guys yeah, playing live, Danny. Sporadic. Sporadic. Um, metallic. Mental Alec. Mental Alec. Yeah. They're actually like dangerous to themselves as well. I think they're like, must have like the, the social workers in the crowd saying, well, don't self-harm, man. Potentially, yeah. because But they do it intentionally, these guys. Whenever they're self-harming, they're literally grabbing a mic and just smashing it against their face. But, you know, you have to see it live. It's very endearing when you're there. I mean, when you're hearing people talk about it, it does sound a little like a snuff film, you know, and not the good kind. Um, <laughs> the good kind. <laughs> oh, you're, missing, you're confusing snuff with the Smurfs. That's oh, right. that's right. Stiffing. I love when you yeah, torture, torture Smurf porn. Um, <laughs> you know, you're back on snuff. <laughs> Uh, Steve Moore says it would be nice for Deep Purple to play with Richie Black. Here you go, Danny. Yeah. We talked about this last week. Actually, all, for the last year, we're like, how do we get Deep Purple back together? And we've been thinking about how we can ice the uh, tension between the uh, Richie Blackmore himself and Ian Pace, the singer, right? Who would have thought? In Gillen, sorry. In Gillen, sorry. Who would have thought it would have come down to the actual guitarist right now that they've been using for the last 15, 20 years? That's amazing. The guy who replaced Blackmore said, you know what, I would like to play with Blackmore. We would all get a kick out of it. That's a credit to the man. And listen to listen to this quote that I ripped off another website. Fans would love it. It would be nice, I think, to see closure with everybody involved and putting these bad feelings aside. He did touch on it, though. He knows that they're there. But uh, just imagine how great the fans, a.k.a. Super Metal Brothers... Just, yeah. just saying. We did go, you know, to Birmingham to see Rainbow. Would we go to Birmingham to see Deep Purple, Daddy? I think we just did, man. It was the same, oh, it was yeah. the same gig. It was the same With the gig. original singer? <laughs> yeah, yeah well, that's different. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, we won't go, but, like, it would be nice for the fans who were there to go uh, see him. Like I said, it might be a one-off show, but they're not a span in the works. They reckon management won't allow it. So even if everybody what? agrees. Yeah, if you read the end of the article, if everyone agrees, management might be like, no, no, we don't want you to do it. I don't know, I think that might just be an out that someone's saying. Yeah. Um, why would someone say no to money? Like managers would be like, <laughs> yeah. uh, that looks like potentially it could be earning us cash. And as a rock metal band, we really can't have that in today's age. And I understand because that's definitely the way things have been maybe, going. Maybe it's like a Nike and Adidas scene. No, no, you're Nike, we're Adidas. You, our worlds just can't be. Yeah. Whitechapel, we've uh, not talked about them much on the show, but I do like Endless War. It's a great song. I was actually listening to it just before this podcast. The drummer quit. The drummer has had a temporary replacement uh, getting announced, but nothing has been said about why Ben Harriclod has left the band. Um, what can we then assume, Daniel, why someone would leave the band? Well, apparently he's unhappy, but unhappy can stretch many, many a mile. It could be unhappy with the music style, um, they get picked on because he's the drummer. Um, no one helps him carry his gear. It's always an issue. Oh, that's right. You know, yeah. no one gives him the pat on the ass, reaffirm. Maybe it's a confidence issue. Or maybe because metal pays about, well, as fourth world countries, I'd imagine. I just actually had to invent another system of oppression lower than third world down to uh, incorporate how much metalheads must be doing in today's 2017 culture. Oh, really? What's that? So that's called again? So you got like first world, right? We're yeah. kind of Australia, right? You got second world, which I don't really know. Third world, obviously, <laughs> yeah, there's poor knows. kids, uh, you know, getting taken out more by you know missiles or polio. I don't really know. Either one is fine. Yeah. And then the fourth world, heavy metal musicians. Yeah, because you got to think about to become a heavy metal musician, you have to one buy all the equipment, or take a ridiculous amount of lessons to get to a decent level. So you're already like twenty grand in debt. That's right. You're 20 grand in debt from your equipment itself, your lessons. Uh, then you, when you have to transport your stuff to a gig, uh, then obviously the alcohol addiction you need to fuel because you're so depressed that you spent you know $60,000 so far on like you know parking and uh, and uh, wrist jobs and stuff. You know, telling you how you do the wrist properly, right? Ah, uh, wrist, wrist jobs. jobs yeah, and and because uh, you're a musician, you probably have to give yourself a wrist job. Uh. <laughs> so um, you know, good luck to you. Enjoy your life with the um, luxuries of having food and shelter accommodated for you. Yeah, well, yeah. 
Oasis' Liam Gallagher. Yes, not very metal, but he's talking about a guy who's kind of metal because he did that probot thing. So, you know, that kind of counts. You know Dave Grohl, Danny? Not personally, but I know of him. (laughs) I think he's the Nirvana drummer's brother. Yeah, that's right, yeah. He ruined it for all of us, the guy from Oasis Screams. And why did Dave Grohl ruin it for everybody, Danny? Well, he actually was a man. And last was about two or so years ago when Dave Grohl fell off the stage and broke his leg. He went to the hospital, plus back up, and came straight back and finished his set off. So now, um, Liam Gallagher's like, well, he's ruined it for the rest of us. Because yeah, because he can't even yeah. have a cold now without, yeah. um, you know, poor thing. And if you get the sniffles, and you have to like sing in front of like forty thousand people who paid. You know, God forbid that, man. So um, apparently, he's not the only one upset. Apparently, there's a couple of other people out in the industry that don't like his commitment to the art form and wish it would kind of die off. I'd imagine. Yeah, but I mean. We saw the Grim Reaper lead singer who actually had to go to the hospital to get his leg amputated after his set, and he came back you know, a month or two after. No excuse. No, no excuse, excuse, Justin Bieber. No, that's right. Yeah. You know? I mean, I know. I mean, in between him spitting on his fans and you know posing for teen magazines, um, you know, so you know the thirteen-year-olds can lose their virginity on top of uh, laundry machines. There's not really any other point, really, Danny. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I saw that time Axel Rose wanted his roadie to go all the way back to London to pick up his favorite yellow jacket before he went on stage. I'm like, far out. Don't, don't make us pull the gene word unless we have to, though, Dan. About <laughs> Actually, that. yeah, we haven't done that yet. Cliff Burton, dad. Cliff Burton's dad. You know Cliff Burton from the, unfortunately, the deceased bass player from uh, Metallica. And unfortunately, when the band actually probably died and had to reinvent themselves in a hard rock band because they couldn't write anything that talented anymore because their talented bass player died. And you see my problem here. It's like a vicious circle. Vicious circle. Yeah, terrible. terrible. Uh, Cliff Burton's dad donates Metallica's son's royalty checks to uh, a music scholarship program. Yeah. Uh, Ray Burton is his name. So if you do see him, you know, out there, buy him a beer. Um, he gets the royalties and he gives it to the scholar because he believes that uh, that's what Cliff Burton would have wanted for the money. And he believes uh, that Cliff Burton wasn't against an education as well. Um, Metalhead of the Week, Danny. Metalhead of the Week for sure. Apparently as well, when Cliff got his first uh, royalty check for Killer Mall, he took his parents out to a lovely sushi dinner. So seemed like a good bloke. Well, it's, uh, sushi, I guess, in America must have been a bit more expensive back then because these days it's like cheaper than Macca's. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's back in the 80s when it's still like an exotic thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Fair but enough. They still call it, like, call it California rolls back then because you can't be too exotic. You know, it still has to be Americanized. Yeah, exactly. Um, don't call it sushi because everyone else calls it sushi, you know. Like, you know. Tomato or something, or banana or something. Yeah, like, or instead of pasta, have that macaroni and cheese. It's oh, terrible. Terrible. That's not food. So, Lamb of God have gone into hiatus, Danny. I just thought that they really sucked and I stopped listening to them. Oh, but if- no. <laughs> oh, no. no. No, they're great. They've always been a great band, right? Just, just don't get like a um, meet and greet with them. So oh, <laughs> man. I think we waste. talked about that before. Um, Mark Morton has said that uh, people are actually working on other things and eventually will probably come back to Lamb of God. Uh, good thing. Maybe they can do all those albums that they should, instead of bringing what they should do is like, you know how bands go out and have that departure and then they do stuff that they should do so they don't bring it back into the band originally so then they change the sound too much. Oh yeah, like, Actually, who's, who's a culprit for that one? I think Opeth being like, you should have got like a progressive metal band and then called it like, you know, Star Spangles and the uh, Flaming American Car Syndrome or yeah. something, right? Well, Devin Towns with Devin Towns' project. Yeah, Devin Towns, even he was better. A smart thing. He left and did a different thing. Yeah. yeah, a lot of people like would have gone, okay, let's just write a completely progressive album. Like but Suicide Silence. They thought, you know what? We're just going to say, screw you fans. That's right. But doing something dumb and yep. Yeah, so there you go. So Mark Morton has reconfirmed that your favorite band of all time isn't broken up right now. They're just taking a very long vacation away from each other without calling each other, and they might forget each other's names. Easy, mate. It makes it look so when you finally come back together. It's like, oh, we're a brand new band. Hey, you know what? Let's go sell some That's I'm a great idea. Randy. <laughs> yeah, no, Randy. punch him in the face. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, life after death, Danny. I want to talk about this now for a little while because I know that uh, this has been the most controversial thing in the Super Metal Brothers lounge room, and that is musicians coming back from the dead with the use of holograms. Now, holographic technology, for you that don't know out there, is literally um, an image of your favorite singer singing all those songs um, but being dead. So they've recreated them in the 3D models and stuff like that, but they've got a projector and it comes out on the... um, now we've seen this at a few things like uh, like the uh, Grammys or something like that as well. They've done it with Michael Jackson and that makes it look really retarded. I don't like it at all. <laughs> but Daddy, you actually said you might go see this Dio hologram thing. Why? Well, yeah, because apparently it's doing the uh, worldwide tour and it's coming to 
good old Australia. I don't think they've done dates yet or if they've released any real details. They just said they come to Australia and doing a world tour. But like I said, I mean, this the only chance to get to see Dio songs live. And I know he's not there and it's probably a pre-recording of him doing something live and there's no real fan interaction, which he was big for. It's just, yeah, it's going to be a bit off. Okay, so oh, I'm just going to uh, pull my sleeves up. I actually already pulled them up, so I'm going to pull them down a little bit so I can pull them up. There we oh, go. I know, I'm sure, man. Yeah, <laughs> Danny, you don't like it when people mime. You hate people that mime on oh, stage. definitely right, yeah. So yeah. what's the difference? This guy's dead. <laughs> well, technically, he's not miming because he's not there, though. Is so, that so that, isn't that even worse? Like, the one oh, thing yeah. worse than not seeing your person there at all is having something, like, play for them to give you a thing that it is. So... I guess what I'm trying to say is right now is one thing I'm worried about is that everyone's going to see these ancient dinosaurs like Elvis and like um, Dio and all these like, you know, historic relics that mm. um, people have this affinity for for some reason. We'll go see them live. But um, the, for me, it's like the connection with seeing the band it was much more important. And what is this difference with putting a DVD player on in front of the kids? You know, when you're going out and taking the shopping, you don't want to be a bad parent, but you don't want to be a good one either and take the kids with you. So you stay them at home and leave them in front of the TV. How is this any different? Yeah, I mean, you're right. It's only a little bit different in the fact that the band's playing live. That's the only thing you get to feel. But you're right. It's, 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 it is it's a weird thing. And I've said it's weird. I just, I'll go just because, yeah. And I'm not. No, I, I refuse to support this abomination of um, artists. I would rather, you know, service the ones who are living and the ones who really need that money. I don't think Nia, uh, DA needs another sword for his house because he's got no way of using it because he's dead. Well, and that's a really, th and that's a sad thing, isn't it? Yeah, it's also long they don't charge like higher prices because the main guy's not there. I'm not charge. I'm not paying over hundred dollars for. You're uh, paying yeah, to, to to literally them to bring a piece of like metal hardware into the arena, and that's what you're paying for. And the person who wrote it, I um, and like you said, it's pre-recorded, so it's like I wonder if it'd be really bad when they in insert things like, "Hey, welcome to Adelaide." Yeah, like, yeah. Is that really like really bad Simpsons dub over it or something? Yeah, well, they do. They always hire the same guy to go to each like concert, and like the dear hologram always talks to that one person because that's what <laughs> that's what he did in the recording. Make sure there's a guy called Jeff in the front row here yeah. to the left. <laughs> Hey, Jeff, so you're going to go to SummerSlam 1995? Uh, um, yes. <laughs> if you guys got an opinion, head over to our Facebook account, facebook.com forward slash SuperMetalBro, and just let us know what you think. I hate the idea. I'm hoping that it dies pretty fast. Uh, I hope that people don't really want to see something they can see on Netflix for like far cheaper and have the exact same experience, really. Um, what's the point? Well, you know, with those virtual reality glasses or goggles, what they're called, yeah. It could you? It could be. A I'd rather thing. see it at a Hoyts than see it at a gig. I'm just saying that. If you're gonna do the the Dio tour, put on the best DVD. Go to Hoyts with their awesome surround sound, and uh, and the 3D glasses, so at least you can see you know Dio's ball sack from a different angles. You know, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> all right. <laughs> uh, and to finish it off, Dear Avenged Sevenfold, why the album The Stage needs to be a video game. Uh, a massive fan journalist came out and gave a whole. 2,000 word essay on why this awesome thing that he loves very much should be a video game. Uh, to that, I'd say, uh, Ed Hunter, please, let's not worry about it. Yeah, I saw the article. He liked every... like Facet. He, yeah, he yeah. depicts it. Why can we turn a video game? No, you just don't. I mean, like, I'm not reading the article because you're right, it's 2,000 words long, whatever, and it's never going to happen. It's like a really long review of why he liked the album so much and why people should buy it, but done it in a pretty arty way, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, like, yeah, there's, there's better video games. Just play the good video games. Yeah. Know? I mean, like, with with stuff like that has got too much, like, you know, too many words in it and too much exposition, like Metal Gear Solid, for example. We don't really want those kind of video games where it wrestles controls away from you so it can preach a story. I mean, I'm sure they could do it in a way, like you said, like combine it. But, dude, video games at the moment, um, are, it's really expensive to make. And for an event Sevenfold, who aren't the biggest band but are a very big band but uh, you know it's yeah. definitely not a market that'd be worth it well knowing Avenged Sevenfold's marketing team it's probably already been released who knows about it <laughs> <laughs> yeah we did like a year ago yeah like we're talking about it now and there's like the sequel's out <laughs> I wouldn't even know it yeah, oh. movie having everything it's like a Netflix series oh it's crazy alright guys we're going to move on to our podcast question of the week this week, our podcast question may be a revisit, maybe a reimagination, or maybe an original. We aren't too sure. We aren't going to look it up. But here we go. What bands are good gateway bands for our friends and family to get into heavy metal? Now, 
I wasn't too sure how I was going to approach why I even wanted to do this again for, or even for the first time. But Danny, you sent me a link about a friendly beetle who knew how to headbang. Yeah, that's it was pretty awesome. Uh, if no one's seen this clip yet, I think it was on our Facebook page for it's still there if you like scroll through a bit. And literally like some beetle, I don't know what type of beetles, not a beetle autodificus, what they're called. But literally these guys get like pretty much technical death metal, put next to this beetle set, and literally build like headbangs to it. Yeah. I thought that's amazing. It poses the question, Danny, maybe we are all born to love heavy metal, but somewhere along the line we just lost our way and Maybe it wasn't just them, the people who won't find it, but the people like us who can bring it back to them. I consider this like the whole thing, like the frog in boiling water, you know? You put a frog in cold water and, you know, you turn it up slowly. Apparently, it's going to stay in there and then eventually when it gets so hot, it'll just die and it'll just boil to death. But you put a frog in obviously boiling water, it's going to jump right out again, you know? So maybe we need to get the gateway bands for our metal friends out there to slowly warm them up so they can listen to omophagia, cattle decapitation, you know, the good stuff. Yeah, I don't know about the whole like death theory. I mean, that's unless unless uh, the frog symbolizes when you die in late age, hopefully not like when you symbolize your eardrums like blowing up or dying. I think what's more important now is we ask the fans first. Yeah, okay, good. Amy Carson, didn't you guys talk about this last year? Well, Amy, if you joined us three minutes ago, you would realize that we addressed this already. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're probably correct. Oh, um, mate, you know what we should do? We should do like what band got you in heavy metal is a podcast question we oh, oh we should definitely do that it's an oh, original yeah. idea yeah, anyway. but I think if um, Andrew Ho can definitely recycle ideas uh, then <laughs> why can't we what? Why, you know we learned from the master we were on the 24-7 rock metal radio station for about five weeks Danny something like that yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. way longer than it must have felt for Andrew Ho who I saw that red ad revenue money just pour away from him <laughs> <laughs> but we compensated with, with our laughs uh, anyway she went on to say that she'd go with bands that she did last time like Lacuna Coil Fear Factory Devin Townsend Nin uh, they sound great what's a Nin Danny funny Nine Inch Nails but it's yeah. funny to be a Nin um, it oh, really no, depends. The guys from Monty Python. Ah, oh, right. And it, but it depends, as she says, uh, what people are kind of listening to and what she would introduce them to. Like a few friends are interested in Amarathery after hearing their music. Um, Amarathery are a very good-looking band. Yeah, like a lot of legs. Oh, have you seen like her film clips? Literally, she's like always low and she's doing these like exotic poses that you see on like David Attenborough's like Circle of Life, where it's like trying to show the mate how to like. Yeah, the male like mate. Like before she like eats like, him because she yeah. looks like she probably would. Yeah, normally like when people put their foot on like, the fold back, it's only about a foot high. But her fold back always seems to be like a meter high. Yeah, and, anyway. and that's right. Honestly, like you can, like it just you can just kind of smell from like, where oh, you oh, are. You're like, wow, Pretty lady, come get back on point. So that's a hologram you want. Right? Oh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, hey, no. maybe this deer thing isn't such a bad idea. No, that's actually four D, not three D anymore. Ah, oh, right. Okay, God, you're getting the smell, right? Um. Oh. They're good though. There's some good bands to get into. I think with Fear Factory, they're such a great band to get into as a transition bag because they kind of have a singer that's not so much screamy, but just got enough of it. And he kind of reminds you of like Gary Thingo from the uh, 80s, you know, those um, Duran Duran kind of cub bands when he sings. Uh, oh, yeah, because it's. Um... Yeah, it's all that. Yeah. You know, that, like, like real synth hallway synthy kind of thing. Yeah. But then he's got the screaming and stuff, so that's good. Devin Townsend's got like. I don't know. As a transition metal band, it's kind of weird that one because I don't. I, if I was listening to him now, I was kind of confused. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, look, he's got a lot of different variations of himself. So just pick the one you think suits. Yeah, Josh Rigby says tough question. There you go. I'm glad we thought about it. <laughs> Maybe he's like a new guy. <laughs> Hi, Josh. I'm Dan. <laughs> you would say the classics like Metallica, Iron Maiden, etc. But other people will hear much more modern and heavier stuff and like it straight away. I know a dude who is your stereotypical pretty boy nightclub wog guy, and he loves Meshuggah. But that's pretty much the only thing he listens to. Uh, Meshuggah pretty much, I think, tap into now the prehistoric part of our brain that hears things clunking against other things uh, and automatically likes it, but they just put distortions on it. Yeah, okay. Yeah, the last album wasn't that fantastic. Nah, yeah. it's so low these days that you can't really de de like, depict any like melodic notes or whatever because it's just pretty much like, you know... Just putting a distortion on your modem. That there's old school ones that you had on your, um, you know, the dial-ups. That's so what you need. Smashing trash Oh, man, what a riff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got Thomas Hake learning it and shit. If I can't play it, it must be good. Um, the classics seem to never die, though, don't they, Danny? This Metallica thing, I, I wonder when the band goes down and they're reduced to holograms and they're still selling out arenas that the new up-and-coming metal bands just cannot even 
a dream to aspire to play in the front of those crowds. Yeah, I think like Metallica have to start a, I don't know, you feel like they're too big and they're taking money away from everybody else. They should start like funding other metal bands yeah. on journeys. They should do what Cliff Burton's dad is doing right now yeah. and kind of put in some of that, um, you know, Middle Bear Scholarships. You yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, instead of buying that villa again, you know, like we saw last time when we were talking about um, Kurt Hammett, maybe they just kind of put that into the community again. Or even just have like a show where they have other metal bands on it that aren't them and they have them playing like, you know, like like we said, like Slipknot or something, you know, like a Knot Fest or a Ozfest or something. Yeah, I don't know why they haven't done a festival yet. Because they're bastards. Uh, I just don't think they get along enough to organise a festival. <laughs> yeah. And Anna Martic has said Metallica Master of Puppets, best metal album or best album ever. Uh, it is very good for people to get into for some reason. And I don't know why, but it even worked on me back in the day, Danny. It did. But, you know, you're a bit younger back then. Big oh, God, I was stupid, wasn't I? Trying to make your way through the uh, modelling scene. Mm. Like what? Jacob <laughs> Fluffy Slippers. Anything super generic and easy. Metallica's back album. Oh, my God. We need to like see what's going on here. It's a conspiracy. Like, what? Are they, poison our water? Like, am I going to go outside and see James Hetfield like peeing in the river and going, "Oh my god, it's him!" It's like you know, the Simpsons like joined the Navy. It's like, <laughs> at the end of every, you know, you know, like in the news report, they saw that. If you play that backwards, it's like, listen to him, Metallica. Uh, Corey Taylor, he mentions him. Anything that he's pretty much done. Uh, I guess Slipknot back in the day. I guess the R album. If you're a teenager at some point, and I like to think most of you have been. Um, the Iowa album is yeah. great if you've failed at being a teenager or just anything in life. It kind of gets you and says, you're not alone. We all f- screw up. Have a Coke. Have right? a Coke. Whoa. Oh, well, you know, yeah. pretty much. Or like Iowa. Isn't it like corn there? Yeah. Like, oh. Yeah. But he also said any power metal band yes. as well. No, awesome. that's not you true. You just like, uh, Jacob Fluffy Slippers. Good work, Jacob. Uh, I-, I can attest that anything <laughs> I've heard of power metal, I... Will get me off of me. It's, it's literally like the opposite of Viagra. It does the opposite. Uh, like, it makes things shrink and go upwards. It's like uh, vi- uh, vagina agra, <laughs> where things kind of go inwards. <laughs> yeah, it works actually, yeah. Um, Gagara. Yeah, Kaya Elliott. Uh, just crank up some sep and they can't handle that they uh, can't handle the truth. Well, you know, they can't handle the truth because Sepultura are like new metal and stuff. We did review their album. Yeah. We thought it was pretty good. I enjoyed it, yeah. Yeah. Um, did you think that album we reviewed though was a good one to get metal fans into today? Oh yeah, actually I think yeah. it was. Yeah, it had a lot of variations. wasn't very intimidating. Um, some good rock beats in there. Some solid. Yeah, beats. everything sounded really good. tough. Everything sounded like really clean and and yeah, very easy going. Yeah, is that considered Sepultura because the Cavalera brothers aren't there? You know, Ooh, oh, conflict. I know. Yeah, oh, I think this is like the good Sepultura now. Oh my oh, god! No, <laughs> they're coming down the alley too. They're gonna kick the shit at you. Uh, Michael Larkin has said Machine Head interesting pick I reckon Machine Head back in the day were I think now is in more of an interesting because they've gone a little bit more techie and gotten some more of that wank factor which I really like in guitars I like having guitarists kind of like move their hand back and forth in front of my face <laughs> and uh, being like ooh that's pretty you know stroke that bridge yes yeah, so, oh wow but back in the day it was like you know three or four chords very clean and just had all those like harmonics you know what I mean like those Stop swearing, man jeez man yeah it was literally like yeah being on Mori Povich and it's like you are not the father oh yeah baby good digger oh hell no Mitch Ramsey disturbed uh, any pick any album they all sound the same oh yeah they do it's all good early stuff's better but it is because again the singing on it is pretty easy for anyone to like it, if you take the metal riffs away from it and it had like you know him singing an R&B song it'd work alright yeah okay I've put that much thought into their stuff but alright well nor have they but they still got away with it <laughs> oh, <ouch. laughs> oh wow yeah, double burn man wow. jeez wow um Seamus Sanford just says you just find a new friend uh, well, <laughs> 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 why not ouch if they don't know what metal is by now it's probably too late for I, them I like you said New friend, because they know metalheads don't have many friends. So yeah, <laughs> just get a friend, that's it. That's enough. Uh, Andrew Bignall has said Fear Factor would be a good introduction. We've talked about them previously on the Super Metal Brothers podcast. Yeah. Uh, it was actually featured on this podcast. Um, again, Danny, uh, Fear Factory, when it comes to a song that you're reminded of, uh, I guess... Um, Break on the Edge. Edge Crusher, crusher. yeah. <laughs> the edge. Yeah, I mean, if your friend doesn't like Edge Crusher, then is it really a friend? And it, is it even real? Like, I, I would try to touch it and see if it's not a hologram. Like, put your hand through it. And just being like, oh, man, Dio sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. Man, honestly, due to the graphic nature of this content, was it... Viewer discretion is advised. <laughs> Look at that. Anyway. Um, 
What about Greg uh, Fetlam with uh, Nightwish, Danny? Oh, Nightwish. Uh, Floor Jansen is pretty good. Doesn't like yeah. Slayer much. Uh, Doesn't like Slayer much. Can't blame her, but, you know, strong opinions when you're, when you're dissing Slayer fans, you know, kind of going to expect some backlash, just saying. Yeah, so she lives in Finland, surrounded by ice and snow, so she'll be fine. Yeah, she'll be fine. Uh, even Nightwish, I know, again, they're, they're very operatic earlier on and now a little bit rocking so it's again what what part you want to show them it, very non-confronting it's a nice get people into somewhat synth and well I think with goth metal it's good to get the girls into it because they love it and they're pretty much dominated like all these bands have a female front uh, yeah. singer and it works very well for them you know they play these incredibly um, romantic kind of riffs with a bit of heavier distortion maybe some double kick and uh, it does sound quite nice it's very very cheerful very non-confronting and the girls are generally pretty attractive so What's there not to like? The riffs, Matt. The yeah, riffs. the problem is the riffs aren't that heavy. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I get a nice thing. Oh, now I was. Yeah, it's kind of like after, after you know, it's pretty much like porn. After, you know, you blow your load and you're, you're pretty dissatisfied with yourself and your career choices up to that point, you realize that maybe I should probably listen to something that makes me more angry. A bit more substance, you reckon? <laughs> yeah. uh, James Way, The Black Dahlia Murder. Oh, I don't know if that would be a band that I'd start getting people into. Yeah, um, how, how young are these people? Like yeah. 13, 14, maybe, you know. Um, Adam Longpour Seller, Cattle Decapitation, see above. Uh, <laughs> kind of moving away from the point here, guys. Uh, we want to bring it back. Michael Dexter Palmer. No, we want to get to metal fans. We want to try to appease people. <laughs> Would you say I made it? Yeah. Uh, we want to bring people, people into the metal community. And I don't like like big bands like the Shadow Curtain, I made it. It's not that I don't like I made It's just that if they were to break up I'm and made. their play wouldn't work and their singing voices wouldn't work, I wouldn't be very sad. <laughs> <laughs> so right. that I hate them. Um, Michael Mera Ram- Ramirez, uh, yeah, Iron Maiden, but don't show him Eddie. Uh, yeah, don't show him Eddie because Eddie's like a zombie and people don't like zombies. Apart from like, you know, every sitcom, no, every one of those Netflix episodes. Yeah, people like yeah, whatever show. So I, I would say show him Eddie first and if they like Eddie, then show him Iron Maiden because by then they're probably scared to death anyway of uh, bad things. Exactly right. <laughs> I think there is a good point about like a lot of the generic metal bands have been picked by our fans, and that that makes sense because you know one. Well, they're popular for a reason, aren't yeah. they? They make the radio. They can make the radio, and when things make the radio, your grandmother's gonna generally be okay with you listening to it. Yeah, but the other thing as well is that when you listen to metal, all of a sudden, like people like so, like separate you from everybody else. Like, oh, you know, you're a metalhead, blah blah blah. So at least like liking these big mainstream bands, you don't still feel like you're you're coming away from pop culture and pop society so you still feel like oh I can listen to these heavy bands but it's still socially accepted in like big pot, uh, big circles so I can yeah. see why people also get attracted to these bigger bands because they don't want to go too extreme because then they feel like oh, they feel like, oh you listen to that metal oh, you can't listen to that music so I understand there is a, a bit of a comfort in liking the mainstream bands I would agree I think um, right now I want to ask you Danny who you think are some of the best bands Actually, got you into metal then, Danny, actually, well, before we start, and then maybe we can use those bands to help uh, brainwash the uh, youth of today's society. Well, my progression literally was like, it was Deep Purple first, and then went to like Rainbow, Black Sabbath, and Dio, and pretty much stuck on those for a long time, and then you got massive into like Metallica, and I was like, okay with Metallica, and then Opeth came along, and mm. then Meshuggah came along, and then Symphony X came along. And then just explode with the mellow death themes, and after yeah. going to like the tech death after. I like to think to people right now to, to slowly get them into them, but for me, honestly, I was actually always chasing a heavy metal sound. So when I was growing up, I remember um, I was at, we were listening to a hard rock at home and that. And so when I obviously wanted to fire my parents, I got into dance music because I liked the energy about it. But eventually, I would be like, nah, I need something with guitars. So my mate introduced me into punk, who was at my high school at the time, and I'm still friends with him today. And he got me into like Green Day and Offspring and that. And back then, I'm like, this is cool, but I need it heavier. Like something about me biologically must have been like, nah. So then I was trying to chase the sound in my head. So I guess for me, it'd be harder to say to people, go ahead and listen to this. Because for me, it was like, okay, well, I then, what happened is I found Metallica, Pantera, System of a Down, Sepultura and that. But even then, I was like, this is cool. But I need something else. And then Opeth came and it started to get closer, right? Um, then I was like, okay, let's go rah, rah. Cryptopsy actually got dropped. And I was like, that's pretty awesome. But maybe not so much of that kind of thing. And then it'd fall into place where we'd get into other bands until I'd find Nevermore and then the rest would be history. And then it was kind of like, that's the perfect blend that I was after. Found Behemoth and obviously after that, Symphony X was massive too. But I guess it's harder for me to... Um, 
to show people that because I was always after that sound. So it'd be harder for me to go listen to Disturbed because I know Disturbed's got it. I know Volbeat's got it. You know, I know Lacuna Coil and all the goth metalheads got it, but... um, Avenged Sevenfold, you know. Yeah, bag into. yeah. Just take them the next step up as best as you can, I guess. Like, like the frog in hot water. But uh, eventually, I guess they might hit that limit. They might not. But if they can get into sugar, then hey, they might, they're invited to my birthday party. That's all I can say. Yeah, that's pretty. That's that's interesting. They have only sugar. It's yeah. I don't know. Oh, good on. Why not? Oh, thanks guys for doing our favorite part, which is the podcast question. If you guys got any questions you want to ask for, feel free to jump onto our Facebook or our Twitter account. Head over there. And until then, let's talk about our CD review. This week on our CD review, we're listening to a band called Code Orange. I didn't know what to expect with a band called Code Orange. Was it going to be a delicious uh, sun-warming drink that I could have or um, brutality? And I'm glad that it was the second one, Danny, because it's still pretty freezing here in Adelaide. Exactly right. Yeah, I, I was a bit, didn't know what to expect from this band either. They've got a bit of notoriety this year. Uh, a couple of metal magazines put them in like the top albums of the year or top songs of the year. Which is quite interesting because I don't think this, this album's been out for that long, but apparently it's really hitting the wave. So, well, yeah. what we can talk about first is a bit of history of the band. Uh, Code Orange was previously known as Code Orange Kids. Hmm. Oh, okay. Uh, it's like a metallic hardcore band that formed in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Pittsburgh sounds like a very angry state. A little bit like Iowa. LA doesn't sound very angry, Danny. No, I don't it's... think we'll ever have metalcore here that's going to be that angry. We had I Killed a Prom Queen, didn't we? Yeah, but they're, they're not like angry metalcore. They're like uh, victorious metalcore. Oh. Uh, they started out as a punk band, but uh, eventually considered themselves going to more of a doomy and abrasive style. So I had to Roadrunner in 2016. And here we are in 2017 with the album. That's, uh, well, you know, I think this one here is um, something to talk about because the first thing I think about this album is it certainly is interesting, Denny. Yeah, interesting to wear for it. It's, it's, uh, <laughs> I think I think divisive. I think the pretext to this conversation is going to be divisive because I have a feeling, Danny, that me and you, we're going to have different opinions on this album. Yeah, it's like you think Batman was bad. I'm like, yeah, you just don't know what you're talking about, man. <laughs> <laughs> I think I have a fair understanding of what the people like out there. They yeah. just don't know that Diamond Man sucks yet, but they will. Yeah, okay, good, yeah. All 10 billion of the ones. <laughs> anyway... <laughs> <laughs> this, this album for me is like a three-part album i mean like you have the first two tracks which are very like sporadic and experimental etc then you have the middle which becomes more like of a rock album and even like soft rock not, not some, but more methodic rock album at times with a bit of um heavy riffing and the last couple of songs just come again with that soft weird experimental stuff again these guys have a contempt for everything from probably their lives to the p- current political situation, to it really comes down to even the songs themselves. Like literally, the songs they have written, they must have sheer and utter frustration and anger for because some of these songs don't even finish. They kind of like yeah. have a riff, and, like, and, and this isn't just sections. Like generally, when you listen to a band, right, they have like sections, and then like maybe after the verse, it will come to a breakdown. But then the breakdown, instead of doing it like a like a generic breakdown where it's just like on the you know, hits and stuff on the crash, these guys will go into like a ambience kind of like industrial techno-y kind of thing but instead of going in from the sections they'll do it in between a bar like literally like a section will be playing like a verse and three beats into the verse once it's repeated or something like they'll stop it and it's like what? yeah like track two I thought like yeah. that was a really short song and like literally 40 seconds to something they stop and it's literally like two or three seconds of like nothingness yeah it's literally they were so frustrated with writing that they just just you know said stop writing it like why do we need to finish a, a track or, or a riff Let's just not. And I'm like, I, I guess no one's ever thought of that before. Yeah, guess what? That's not good. <laughs> really, really annoying. A little bit like adding more oil to your peanut butter sandwich, Danny, you reckon? Oh, it's just, yeah, I mean, why? The reason why it hasn't been innovated before because it's a bad idea, you yeah, know? Yeah. I'm just saying, uh, a little bit like uh, airbags in a plane, like, it's not going to matter too much once you crash into the ground. Um, uh, however, I think there's a certain charm about this album. And I think this one is daring to take risks even if the risks for them don't seem like risks because they're probably just doing things that they want. They're like, who cares? I mean, this this album does feel very punk in that nature. It feels like we're going to do whatever we like and you're either going to like it or you're not. Um, from the very intro though, like that riff is definitely not a um, punk riff. That's a tough metal riff. And that's the reason why I bought the album. Like That first riff with that pick scrape Whoa, whoa, dear me. I mean, that's how you get people into metal, man. If you hear that and, like, you know, your nipples start going hard and, 
you know, you start finding the opposite sex attractive, you know, you're going through puberty and going through a metal puberty, I'd imagine. Yeah, not needing to buy a Vigara. Vagina, right? Nah, this is the opposite. This is definitely, yeah, doing it for me, that riff anyway. Yeah, that's what I think frustrating. This album does have some really great riffs, really strong grooves, but then it just gets too sporadic and all of a sudden it will just stop and a weird sound effect and then just completely change the whole feeling, tempo, mood of yeah. the song. Like, what have you done? Yeah, yeah, certain songs are like like the new reality where it's like, um, they've got that really sweet riff but it does things like, um, it changes up the tempos and stuff as well as songs like, uh, I think it was track f- uh, three. Yeah, like where they go, it's like these punky kind of riffs in it, like those real fasty thing but then it kind of like slow down to a breakdown or a grindcore kind of feel where literally like songs themselves have this interesting life to them. It's basically like they just gotten a bunch of like metal CDs that they really like and punk CDs and Nine Inch Nails albums, put it in a blender and just kind of hit play and yeah. just, you know, when the thing, whatever flew out was like, well, we can use that. Yeah, but, but then it gets real weird because in track four, like after track one, it's very sporadic. And generic. Track four is generic, like radio rock. And it's yeah. like female melodic, like female singing, singing melodic. Like, what, what's happening? It was kind of reminds me of the Mastodon stuff where, you know, people giving shit to the track sounding a bit like Queens of the Stone Age. And for me, this really did feel like it. However, the ending was very kind of ominous and brooding, oh, which, I, yes. which I didn't mind too much. However, but generally, I think track four, and even there's another one as well with Ugly, I think it was as well, which is the track eight has that very much that tone where it's like, wow, these guys don't care. It's like, we're going to do that song now and then we're going to do that. Um, it kind of works though in the sense that I couldn't handle listening to like, you know, as awesome as it is, like Forever and The Mud, hearing those songs all the way through it would just be a test. So I think what they've done here is kind of created a bit more of a sludge feel but brought in enough elements to kind of keep it interesting. And, and I guess it keeps you off your guard because you never quite know what's going to happen next. And I've got to be honest, I was... So interested, like seeing a um, ambulance crash into a train. I was just, yeah. I had to keep watching. As as terrible as it would have been, and then the school bus comes in next with a bunch of kids. Now, as terrible and as horrific as it was, I just had to keep seeing it and keep hearing it just to hear what would happen next. And I guess for that point, it was very engaging. Like I was almost curiously, my morbid curiosity got the better of me, and I had to listen to the album from the very start to the very finish twice just to process what what they're gonna do like what what riff would they jam next to something else what's a when when would they just decide that a verse was now gonna be ended and they were gonna have um white noise on for three minutes like yeah. it's in that sense i mean i guess it's ambitious um it's adventurous but the problem is i guess for some people that i think it is definitely new and and I can't even think of another band that comes close. Production-wise, though, I can. I think this is very much like a grindcore, like a nails kind of very rough. It doesn't feel like there's no click track. And to be honest, I would rather listen to that kind of production than like an Allegiant production where everything's like crisp and clean to the point of that like, notes would be like, you know, taken out of context. But um, I don't know, Danny, does anything like this making sense? Or are you just like, nah, this album's shit? But like, I know, I know you're saying, I give them props for their creativity and their willingness to add different elements to songs I mean, they're big on industrial sounds mechanical sounds yep. effects with the bass effects with the guitar um, I don't know adding in different rhythms and tones and but to me most of it is too jarring to get into I don't like that like it's funny because Arcosphere we listed them had some of these elements but they they transitioned to quite well with yeah. all the parts and made it smooth these guys here they literally have there's, there's another thing which they do which they shouldn't do it's track two and track ten. They do this part. It sounds like a record skipping. So it's like, yeah. And I have and I have that sound effect, and that's just not it's not pleasurable for my ear. It's just don't do that stuff. I know you want to create some sort of weird thing and create a mood. Or I know what they're trying to do, but it it, it doesn't sound good. Just don't do it. There, that's the thing about this album for me is that I think these guys are young guys who are just kind of like basically throwing everything against the wall and seeing what sticks and going with it. Um, it's pretty much like the guy from Incubus how he writes lyrics. Once you kind of de- de- decipher them and realize that it, they're almost nonsensical to a degree. Uh, I remember kind of reading up a David Bowie article who was saying how sometimes he would literally put random words into a hat, pull those random words out, and that would then be the lyrics for songs. And then you just have to use that rhythmically. And then people would be like, wow, I've never heard that before. Well, I guess you never have in that arrangement, you know? Uh, and I guess He's there's a, genius. a. And I guess, well, he was regarded as, and, you know, maybe it was all that acid that he was uh, trying to. Uh, eat off his uh, some girl, his girlfriend's face, but um, I guess the more important thing is that 
is this kind of innovation or this kind of thing, should it be rewarded, Danny? Like, we haven't heard this for a while, and I know you're saying that uh, there's a pretty good reason why we haven't. Uh, but is there a certain charm about what they're doing here? How they're combining so many styles and adding a very attitude to the album that hasn't been reflected in other albums that we've heard for a long time? Uh, look, it's always cool when you can add different elements or become creative in that way. But these guys have just, they've, they've over-frosted their cake. I mean, there's, there's too many layers you can put on the same before you just, you don't know what you're tasting anymore. And I think that's the problem. These guys is that... The whole album, even though it's only 34 minutes not that long, they've put a lot of different layers in there. And the thing I found the biggest problem for me is did I generally enjoy this album? Did I actually get so much because there were so many curveballs and so many new things to kind of hear in that? Or is this a little bit like when a person puts a pair of his glasses down in an art gallery, leaves yeah, it there, yeah. and has those wankers kind of whack themselves off saying, oh, how brooding and how magnificent and simplistic this piece of... Uh, you know, display was, and you know that ends up getting the award. Um, is, am I going too far astray to say, like, just because it's never been done before, it makes it good automatically? And I guess that's the whole problem with art is what you get out of it and all that kind of stuff. That's interesting. This album made me content, and I kind of thought of think about that kind of thing. Well, I guess like anything, if no one pushes the boundaries, you don't know what they are. So you always think that's the boundary. So these guys have gone out, done something different and unique, and but again, it's just. Maybe these guys are just like trying to take the piss out of people who tried like subgenre bands because there's too many subgenres with this album. You can't. Yeah, really I don't like it. what they've done. Like the people are like, oh, it's like metallic, hardcore, punk, coast. You know, I'm like, dude, can we just every not? song's different, man? That is stupid. Yeah, um, but. The, the 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 problem I have is that I I can't say this is a bad album for me. I just can't do it because yeah, for me it's it. um. It does things that are right, and uh, when they hit those shining moments, uh, it really is a metal album, and it's quite uh, quite good for a, for a, for a release of uh, frustration and anger. Um, it fell short of nails kind of territory for me. I don't know why that album for me was so good. Uh, all two minutes or songs of each one, <laughs> I guess you know it was kind of reminds me. Of it, but I would actually put this album over as a. Uh, decent metal album I, I think this has actually got potential to capture the audience's imagination of being different and uh, engaging enough to uh, get a fan base you know what Matt I disagree yeah I know <laughs> and I can understand that don't buy it because I um, the thing is for me is that uh, they do so many things that are, that are not good in storytelling and connecting on a musical level I don't think they do that very well at all because like you said it's so um it's just basically like a kid on sherbet. It's like it's just ridiculous. They, they change ideas and, and, and formations so often, and it's nonsensical. Um, and maybe not even musical. Uh, that's I guess there is a, a brilliance in them and their madness. I guess, or or it's just they got lucky. Um, I don't know what to say. I I, I don't want to say it's like a great album because I don't. I would never buy it. But being objectional, I can see that this could be an album that separates himself from everyone else in the metal community and, you know, have their own genre, in a sense. Well, yeah, people like Diligent Escape Land, so yeah. these guys are just that type of... It's like literally anti-musicians music where they're like, yeah. you know what, we don't want people to like our stuff and then, lo and behold, you know, because our society, the way it is, is going to be those people well, that just want to pull away from that kind of thinking where it's like F everything else uh, and this might appeal to them. Well, Dillinger's retiring, so someone has to fill that void. Oh, and then for that, it's got it's got a charm about this album. I must admit, I really thought listening to it, it's like, oh, you know, these guys are they're having an honest crack, man. They're really just kind of throwing stuff together. Um, whether it makes the top ten at the end of the year, I don't think Dane obviously it won't. No. Is it a terrible album, though, Danny, or is it just an album you didn't like? Oh, because yeah. is this going to make your bottom five? Because I know is this like Suicide Silence? offensive or is it just an album that you wouldn't recommend or buy yeah probably the second yeah I I, I mean because there, there at least there's some redeeming factors in it but I just not enough for me to say go out and buy it yeah or even listen to it polarizing in every sense of the word I would actually I would like to say I recommend it a bit because I really do find that there's so it's, it's engaging it's entertaining let's be honest I think for me and as a musician goes being entertaining enough, it, it, it can do it for you. Uh, damn it. I, I don't know if I should put this album over or not. I, I, I think at the end of the... I think what you should do is check it out. I think it, it really is an album that's... In, not track... Probably check out their single, which is Forever. Uh, it is a crushing track. It is their best 
uh, track off the album and it gives you an idea of what's going on and even the mud as well. Uh, however, you know, songs like The Bleeding and The Blur and Ugly and even like the ambience of track nine, you know, if you like rock, then generally you, you, you'll find a home for it. It's, it doesn't, it, as adventurous as everything else is, they'd still play it quite safe in other songs and other sections. So, yeah, um, yeah, track four, like when, because the first couple of tracks really like crazy and experimental, the track four comes and it's like very melodic rock, soft rock with a female singer. To me, it sounds like like a girlfriend, one of the band members, like, oh, can you write a song that I can sing on it? Like, oh, <laughs> that's a track four in my because it comes from nowhere. Yeah. Like, the they hate this? everything, they hate everyone, but they don't want to piss off their girlfriend because right, who else is going to suck their dick? Oh. <laughs> right, <just laughs> not me, out. and certainly not Dan. <laughs> Dan's, Dan would even like touch a CD case. Code orange, um, you know, and I think that's the whole thing we're trying to say is that uh, there is innovation still going on in 2017. Whether you like it or not, I think will be interesting. I think I'd like to know how you guys think about the album. As for me, it comes with a recommendation of checking it out. I'll, this album for me wouldn't be an album that I'd tell everyone to have to buy because it just does so many things that are unusual and that are jarring, like cutting out songs, having certain songs being incredibly ambitious and crazy and other songs which are generic and, you know, not to say that's bad, you know, the it's fine it's very popular to to write a song that's you know has a formula to it um but in that sense i guess you know that's that's kind of all i can say about the album check it out just go ahead and check out um code orange and um they are making waves and and i think metal bands are and publications are getting behind it because um what else are you going to compare it to i guess in that sense it's uh it's enough yeah, and I think they're opening up for one of the bands we covered in our news feed. I can't remember which one it was, but they're, they're opening up for one of those bands. Which Yeah, they're getting held notoriety, man. And I think for that, you know, because they do those medical breakdowns and stuff as well and plenty of that dissonance with those chromatic... You know, like that kind of uh, tried and true metalcore stuff. They've got a home in heavy metal for that. So there's a, there's enough familiar there that's going to keep your 17-year-olds and your 13-year-olds engaged. But... Uh, the older crowd, I don't know, man. <laughs> it's interesting. <laughs> oh, I guess with that, you know, it comes with a recommendation for me to check out and a strong no from Danny. So uh, take it with a pinch of salt, a finest pinch you can find from your fanciest restaurant, I guess. Exactly right. And I guess in the words of Code Orange, within this house of do-it-yourselfishness, the blurred lines we're taught to walk don't suit me. Mm, that sounds interesting, Danny. What do you think that means? I mean, don't buy the album. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, right. Okay, well, with that, we're going to end our show. Thank you guys so much for listening. I'm a Super Metal Brother, Matt. And I'm a Super Metal Brother, Dan. It's been a Super Metal Brother's pleasure to talk to you guys today. Check us out on facebook.com forward slash Super Metal Bro for more information. But until then, catch you next week.